Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here today. Henrik, back with you. Uh, Tuesday interview for you guys. Hope you're doing well. RedEyes.tv. And, of course, you can watch us live as well on RedEyesMembers.com. We do go out on a number of other places. Odyssey, Trovo, DLive, VK. We go out to Float. Is this something I'm forgetting? I'm sure there are. We go out to as many places as we can uh, where you can tune in. Twitter, too, by the way. Twitter. You can watch us on Twitter. Uh, today, we have a special guest for you guys. John Waters, author and journalist from uh, Ireland, is joining us today to talk about the kind of the general situation when it comes to the COVID takeover. I have his sub stack up here uh, to my right. Um, we can uh, check out some of the articles later on there. He's covered a lot of interesting things when it comes to what, hap- what has happened Excuse me, <coughs> over the last couple of, what, what do we have, 15 to 18 months or so since this um, pandemic started, the case-demic. Now, there's a lot of twists and turns to this, and we've talked about this, of course, over the last few months, because it seems that uh, when the vaccine was int- introduced, we've seen a lot more variants pop up. We've seen actually more people... Uh, becoming ill, unlike what we saw back in 2020, when there's actually most of this seems to be generated by the media. This seems to be a a case-demic. It was run by fault, the RT-PCR test for the most part. And now as we go into the autumn and winter here in 2021, it's going to be very interesting to see um, what happens, and I think due to the vaccine. And, uh, you know, this is something I'm going to talk with John uh, about as well. But, uh, John, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure having you here. How are you today? Very much, Henrik. Uh, pleasure to be with you. The same, the same. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you're, you're uh, of course, a popular journalist. You've been writing for many years. I think you started with uh, uh, culture and music and these kinds of things, right, when you began writing? I started in rock and roll as a, as a music journalist uh, with Hot Press, which is the Irish, uh, the main Irish music paper, back in the um, long time ago now, the early 80s. And... Uh, I spent a few years with them and then I moved into the mainstream and uh, <clears throat> I was a columnist with the Irish Times, which is, I suppose, the leading quality newspaper, or was at that point, uh, um, in Ireland. And I was a columnist with them for uh, 20 odd years, 24 years, I think, or something like that. And uh, for the last five or six years, I stopped being a journalist then pretty much, uh, at least uh, an inclination because I, I, I kind of had decided that it had become a really disgraceful profession already, you know, even before this COVID episode. Um, it seemed to me that that it was so riven with ideology and, and poisonous kind of toxic, um, you know, uh, agendas that um, I didn't really think it was anymore the profession I joined. And it, it wasn't about, about exploring the world and exploring ideas. It was about really promoting certain views of the world and imposing them on its readers or, you know, audiences. And so I kind of, after that, I, I mean, I, I sort of said to my wife uh, several times, you know, and I've said this publicly that, you know, when I die, if any of my obituaries use the word journalist, she's to request a clarification <laughs> and a correction the following day. Yeah. <laughs> You know, absolutely. You know, he denied, he recanted uh, this this uh, profession. But I do. I have been writing in recent years. I wrote for a few years for First Things, the American uh, uh, religious uh, affairs magazine, which is, I think, a great magazine. And, and <clears throat> I was writing up for them up to. Well, I occasionally do. I've done another piece for them very recently, which is going out soon about ABBA, <clears throat> bizarrely, back to to my roots, as it were, and. Uh, uh, but I've also started my own uh, weblog, I call it, uh, uh, not blog, I don't like the word blog, weblog, I think is, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, so I write, you know, I'm back where I started writing pretty, you know, extensive articles uh, about things. I mean, when I started out, you could write 4,000, 5,000 words, no problem, you know. 
in music magazines then. Uh, but you know, by the time I left the Irish Times, I was down to 840 words <laughs> per week. You know, and <laughs> I used to spend uh, maybe two hours writing my column and then three hours trying to condense it into the 840 words. You know, oh, and I geez. read them back now, and they read to me like you know telegrams. As I don't know if people still remember what telegrams are, yeah. text as well as the equivalent nowadays. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, so that's kind of where I am now. I'm, I'm, I'm still writing. And I've written, I've had, I've published about 10 books and, and uh, mainly about Ireland or, you know, questions like religion and spirituality, but not spirituality in the kind of crystals or, or incense sense, you know, right. it's yeah. different, but personal kind of the, 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 the structure of the human person and their, that whole dimension of the human person. And, uh, but most of my books are about Ireland, even when they're about those things. And uh, so that's why, that's who I am pretty much. Uh, uh, and so I'm on, on John Waters Unchained is my website and or whatever it's called blog site or web blog site and uh, so that's that's the way I am. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, what was it? The give a, give us back the bad roads. Was that your latest uh, book? Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of the story of why I left journalism, pretty much, and and yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's, a, it's it's in the form of a letter to my father, who I've written books about before. Yeah. Uh, who just a you know he's a, pay, a mail car contractor. He used to drive a mail car, which is kind of like the, the Irish equivalent of a stagecoach. And I did that myself for a couple of years as well. And and uh, I used to help him, of course, as when I was a kid. And uh, so the, the, that book has kind of it's been it's kind of been an underground success because of course none of the bookshops would stock it properly or none of the newspapers would review it or so uh, it actually by promoting it online it actually became a bestseller but nobody knows except people who read it. <laughs> Crazy. So have you been? What's happened over the last few years? Because of course, and we'll we'll talk you know more about COVID in detail, and we can talk about what happened, what's happening in Ireland specifically, and then we can talk about the broader world and stuff, and how you view this from your perspective. You know, you have the advantage of being around longer than knives. I, I think you've experienced a, a, a different type of world, uh, one further removed from all the modernity that we're seeing now, and just the the, the insanity, the globalism, and and the. Well, all the forces that we're seeing that are utilizing and exploiting essentially uh, the COVID uh, pandemic to 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 take more control. But um, what, what yeah, would you right. very yeah. much? I mean, uh, that's right, Henrik. Uh, uh, like, I, I often feel that I kind of I was born sort of in the 19th century and grew up through the 20th century, and now I'm in the 21st. You know, so I kind of have a spectrum in in the nature of the way Ireland was. Yeah, and I think the way my own family situation was, which was kind of quite basic and, and uh, old-fashioned, uh, I think I have a, a, a pretty broad understanding of kind of what's happened to the, to the to Ireland in a very kind of, uh, you know, Zoom uh, lens sense, and, and also in the world, because Ireland sort of uh, comes to things late and then really moves very fast through them, you know, so uh, that's part of our, our, our uh, makeup. And uh, so, yeah, I think I, I, I kind of have a, a particular uh, a ringside seat on, on modernity and its workings in a particular place and time. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I've seen my country, Sweden, transform. I'm, I'm in America now, but uh, I've been here for oh, what, almost 10 years. Um, and, of course, you know, in the future, I hope to go... In the future, if we can travel again, I hope to <laughs> hope to go back to to Sweden and bring my kids and stuff. Obviously, but we'll see what happens on that front. It looks like this is never going to go away. But anyway, um, I, just in in 
through my lifetime, I've seen Sweden go through this transformation as well. Of course, it's becoming, you know, multicultural. Uh, we've lost our heritage. We've lost our sense of, you know, spirituality of sorts. We've been dominated by modern ideas. Uh, you know, the 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 kind of well, if you will, the the science that led us here with the pandemic and all that stuff, right? Um, Ireland has gone through a very quick transformation as well. When did you start seeing that that change? When when did things? First, like when did you notice this first? I think in the 1980s it began to manifest itself. I, I although looking back at my life now, I, I think I lived through a very, very rich time culturally in Ireland because it was a, a country that kind of was, as it were, waking up as I was a child and you know, in a certain sense to modernity. And of course, as a young person, you think that's all good, you know, and you want it to be exciting and new and 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 you know, progressive or whatever that is, you know, and and, uh, and uh, for a while you get quite intoxicated with it. I certainly did. And I would have, uh, in my youth, I regarded myself as a bit of a lefty, you know, uh, yeah. um, nominally anyway. I wasn't very ideological. I wasn't steeped in Marxism or anything like that. But I had those kind of, in a certain sense, you know, superficially, leftism seems to be at first sight a kind of a, a good, nice way of dealing with the world, you know you know, sharing and caring and all that stuff. Uh, and I kind of was bought into that. And it was also kind of, I think, quite close to, in a certain sense, the kind of leftism that was being peddled in was kind of, in a certain sense, quite close to Christianity in certain respects. So that we'd kind of grown up with that and it seemed to make sense. Uh, but I think that in the 80s, then we started to see all this sort of stuff battling over abortion and, and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Divorce. A divorce. We didn't have a divorce until 19, the mid 90s, and uh, but there were battles going on for about a decade or so before that, and so that was kind of. You see, Ireland has a very, very good constitution, uh, which is kind of written. It was written in, in 1937, and it's kind of predicated on the whole idea of, you know, individual rights are very strong, natural rights are very strong, but also the rights of families and and all of those things, which are more complicated organisms, and. Uh, that it seems to me has been a big regarded as a big impediment by those who wish to move in on our country and capture it and, and change it to their liking, uh, the, the constitution. And essentially there's been a series of attacks on it over the last 40 years, but aggressively so in the past decade, when we'd have three, we've had three major referendums, which have essentially taken a sledgehammer to three of the principal natural rights, personal rights articles of the constitution, which are, uh, 40, 41 and 42, which have to do with, with the right to life, the right to the family rights and the right of families to, to educate their children. And those things are all in regards up for grabs now. And we've had, a, you know, different referendums, one purporting to, have, to promote children's rights, which of course sounds wonderful, but in fact, until you start to think about it, and then when you think about it, we we'll say, well, what children need rights other than the ones that they have to their parents? because their parents are responsible for them until they're of age. Yeah. And for the parents need to be able to exercise those rights freely in order to protect their own children who clearly are being immature are not in a position to, as it were, decide everything for themselves. So uh, that that was, I, 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 come, I was involved in that referendum. Uh, we fought it. We almost won it, actually. It's the closest we've got in a referendum. Then we had in, in 2015 uh, so-called marriage equality, which is, you know, gay marriage, which was, again, taking a sledgehammer to Article 41 and basically changed the meanings of the word family, uh, parenting and, and uh, marriage. And then uh, in, 19, in 2018, we had a, a final abortion referendum in which abortion was passed into law. 
And essentially that, that referendum was quite extraordinary and, and appalling really, because of course, you know, the right to life being a natural right, like it was in our constitution by way of an amendment, but that's misleading to the extent that it's not that people vote in the right, they, be, they simply vote in the mention of the right. The right is supposed to exist eternally. And the very fact that they had actually inserted an amendment gave, made it easier to vote it out or to appear to be voting it out. Of course, you can't vote a natural right out of existence, you know, theoretically and indeed morally, but you can nominally do it. And that's what they've done. Uh, they've uh, they've uh, uh, arrogated themselves the power to destroy fundamental rights uh, through a vote of the people, which is meaningless in my view. Uh, people can't vote up and down on each other's rights, in my opinion. This would be barbaric, and it was barbaric. Yeah. So we opposed all that, and that's kind of so. See, our, the history of Ireland in 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 my lifetime was really. You come back to the economic. Uh, <clears throat> Ireland after independence, which was like 100 years ago, uh, went through a several really rough decades. Not surprisingly, because, you know, the world was between two world wars and, you know, there was all kinds of stuff going on and nobody was really all that interested in those times in helping out, uh, you know, new fledgling nations. And uh, so we were there, we were struggling. By the time we got to the 40s and 50s, like there was massive immigration out of Ireland and uh, we were hemorrhaging our best and our brightest, uh, as it were. and. Then in the, in the 60s, a new kind of thinking crept in, which is more or less to kind of bring in uh, outside industries, foreign direct investment, which theoretically sounded good as a, as a kind of a booster rocket of your own economy, if you would be able to do it like that. But unfortunately, it became the sole instrument of our economic life. What was it? Dell, Microsoft, right? But these big companies came in, right? Yeah. And big pharma. Really big pharma big too, pharma. yeah. Yeah, they, they really lots of industry, chemical industries. And I mean, I've often written about this because people find this hard to believe. But when we were actually inviting the pharmaceutical industries to Ireland, we offered them as an incentive the right to pollute our landscape. You know, you know that that we, they were more like they were told, look, Ireland's got a pristine landscape. We don't, you don't have to worry. You can pollute it for years. Oh, no one noticed. You know, that no. was kind of it. It was called a natural endowment endowment factor. You know, yeah. the absorption capacity of the Irish landscape, and uh, so that's the kind of you know ethics that we started this so-called modernity with. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, what happened then, you see, the next phase of that then was the, the, the financial services industry came in the late 80s, big time. There was a financial, international financial services uh, centre built in Dublin, and that was, on its own terms, very successful. And it attracted huge numbers of international banks. And then, of course, we introduced this very low corporation tax, which attracted not just the banks and all those others, but it, it also it began to attract big tech. And that was the most fatal, that was the most deadly thing of all, uh, uh, because they came in and immediately, of course, they decided that Ireland was actually quite a good place if it weren't for certain problematic aspects. One was kind of that it had this rump of quite conservative Catholics. Number two, it had this extraordinary constitution. And, uh, uh, you know, that at that time we had a pretty free media. All that's gone now, you see, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, and basically we have, in a sense, you know, the the pure and, and fundamental and natural meaning of the word fascism, which is a partnership between the government, which is no longer really democratic, and the corporations, uh, who basically run Ireland uh, uh, by decree. What is, yeah, I mean, you, it's like a definition issue in a sense that it's like, is it, 
<laughs> is it the corporations running the government or is it the government running the corporation? Now we have public-private partnership, right? This is one of these things that the um, the people at the World Bank, uh, Bank of International Set- Settlements, even the World Economic Forum, they've talked about that for at least two decades, I think. And, and even actually the way the pandemic has played out, we've seen that because we're seeing a lot of the responsibility on the kind of things that the government want to change and, and, and impose on people is not, I mean, in some cases it is by government, but in many cases it's now by the private sector, right? Well, if you want to go into our uh, business, uh, you have to be vaccinated, for example, or you have to wear a mask or you have to comply to these kinds of things. And so the, the government can throw up its arms and saying, well, you know, they can, it's a private corporation. They can do whatever they want. But of course, on the back end, John, we know that it's swing door politics, revolving door politics. People go from the government sector over to the private sector and then back again. It, it's it's an elite, an elite at the top, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, uh, Enric, uh, like when I was a youngster, you know, uh, in my 20s and so on, uh, Ireland was, you know, profoundly conservative in, in, in every conceivable sense. And that kind of, I suppose, to my shame, it irritated me then, you know, uh, a little bit. And, and uh, <clears throat> so, as I said, I was kind of somewhat leftish in my outlook. Um, but it's impossible to exaggerate the, the sleepiness and the, the kind of conservatism of Ireland in those years. And right up to quite recently, you know, that the, 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 the main parties, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, are profoundly conservative, were initially Catholic parties uh, in, in ideological terms, but not, some, not at all now, actually. But, uh, and then you have other smaller rump parties and who kind of, and, and the system is kind of quite fluid. You have all kinds of coalitions coming and going and all that. But the, 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 the interesting thing is that the parties are now, uh, the conservative parties are now extreme leftist parties. Like, yeah. you know, in everything but kind of, I suppose, what you might call core, up to the moment, core economic policy. And I think that's going to change. That is changing already. You know, they're talking now effectively like Marxists in some respects. Yeah, it's true. But, but uh, these parties, which were like really kind of, you know, country bumpkin conservatives that like they weren't ideological in any way there was no tradition of conservatives in Ireland which was a, a real problem despite having Edmund Burke as one of our you know uh, uh, progeny uh, we we were you know and so that so what happened then was when these ideal these ideologically run, run corporations came in they started to tell the government what they would like from Ireland what, yeah. our, what they would like Ireland to be uh, the kind of place they would want. So obviously you would need to have gay marriage in Ireland and obviously you would need to have abortion. You know, these are basic services, aren't they, for if you're, if you're running corporations these days. And uh, that's kind of where it went. And now what you actually find is that these country bumpkin politicians are now posturing as woke liberals, you know, yeah. uh, which is quite funny in respect, some respects, but it isn't funny really anymore. You know, it ceased to be funny, particularly in the COVID episode, yeah. because they're actually now quite insane. And uh, they are now, uh, you know, really kind of almost animalistic in their uh, rage against Ireland as it was or as it remains to the extent that it remains like that and determined to to expunge any traces of the old thinking. Like, you know, we have politicians standing up in Parliament now and saying we have to put behind this idiotic notion of sovereignty. You know, we're moving on into the modern world. You know, uh, we have disc jockeys uh, on on radio telling people that Ireland no longer belongs to the Irish. Get that notion out of your head. Wow. This is this is the dominant kind of uh, chord of our of our, our note of our, our our culture now, politically speaking. Yeah. And and 
that's that's become quite uh, contagious, has it, so to speak, uh, because it's accompanied by this um, culture of censorship, which is very subtle. I mean, it it became very in, in pronounced during the campaign for the gay marriage referendum, where people started kind of censoring. You could see it. In, in and talking now, I'm talking. I'm not talking about any some kind of macro kind of analysis or theory. I'm talking about just to see the kind of demeanor of people that you would know yourself uh, in your own community, in, in the cafes, in, in the pubs, where people started kind of when they were having conversations and anybody said something that was maybe slightly edgy from the point of view of the referendum or maybe not that referendum but another referendum that, that or something else related. People would like start looking around each other, and you know, thinking, "Is it okay to to, to answer this? Or okay, well, you keep your keep your voice down, you know." And actually, Joyce Mirlo, the the, the psycho uh, uh, the psychologist, wrote about this in in one of his books. I think it was the Rape of the Mind, uh, where he talks about that precise thing, you know, that people no longer have conversations; they're they they simply you know exchange kind of niceties and and uh, uh, you know. Uh, polite phrases with one another. And that, that amounts to, but Ireland used to be a hugely garrulous and, 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 and uh, you know, free thinking country in the past. But that's all gone now under that influence because people are, because you see, you had these kind of LGBT uh, goons like rampaging through the streets and, you know, trying to cancel anybody who dared even to ask a question about what they were proposing. Uh, I mean, I found that myself. I had experiences where I was, I was, you know, in, in the end, opposing the referendum on different grounds to do with, you know, the constitution and so on, uh, and also particularly with children's rights and the right to parenthood and so on. Uh, uh, but I, I mean, I would be, uh, you know, like doing a meeting which had nothing to do with the referendum, and this happened several times in the course of the campaign, and and I would be wrong on the way. I get a phone call on the way from the organisers saying, "Listen, we've had a, we've had a, hundreds of calls all day threatening to." you know, descend on the meeting if it goes ahead. And, and, and uh, you know, we've been on to the, guard, the police and they don't really want to do anything, you know. And that's, you know, we have the police force now going around with rainbow uh, uh, paint, you know, on the side of their cars. So, you know, if, any, if you're being attacked by an LGBT gang of goons, forget about running to the police to uh, make a complaint about it. That's the message. Right. So yeah. you, you're seeing all this kind of stuff. Uh, happening in a very short time in a country that used to be very settled and steady and and you know set in its ways in maybe not an exa- not an ideal thing way to be, but it, now <laughs> boy it was it does it seem ideal looking back that you know it took a long time to change things it took a long time to persuade people of anything radical or even mildly innovative in in terms of political policy or whatever now. These things are forced in through without any discussion. You know, they're just announced, uh, and it's, it's in effect it's totalitarian in, in all but name. I mean, yeah, uh, this is the nature of it. Well, you do have a couple of big globalists over there. Peter Sutherland, of course, he died. I think was it twenty eighteen or something like that, right? He was, uh, yeah. was it? Yeah, it was Finnegal, right? That he was a member of, and then he went to go yeah. work for the UN. Yeah. He became an ambassador even for migration, right? I believe it was big in the World Economic Forum and all, all these kinds of things. Even Bono, to a certain like the activists of some of these rock musicians have been very, I think, instrumental in helping to transform uh, Ireland. But what have you put your finger on in terms of how they, how and who did it? 
Yeah, well, I think Sutherland was a big figure, all right. You know, uh, uh, <clears throat> I think it was the foreign direct investment policy first and foremost, you know, that uh, up to that point, and we're talking about 70s, Ireland was regarded, and then for a co quite a couple of decades later as well, uh, Ireland was regarded as a bit of, a, as I say, a sleepy backwater and, and you know, nothing much happened there. And, and uh, uh, yeah, like rock bands would leave it off their tour schedules, you know, and that was a bit of a bugbear with lots of us in those, in those years. But... Uh, uh, then it, these people started coming here and they realized that actually Ireland had lots of appealing characteristics, you know. I mean, apart from the obvious that, you know, the population spoke English and moderately were moderately well educated and certainly could be easily educated to the needs of the tech industry or the chemical industry. Um, uh, but that there was also like just as an island, as, a, as a, the weather is, uh, you know, not, we don't like it so much. I mean, we complain about it all the time, but it's actually very nice. You know, people who come from outside, from extreme climates of any kind, actually love it in Ireland. So there's lots of quality. And of course, it's a very beautiful country and very easygoing country, very kind of, you know, laid back and, and there was in those years. Yeah, so I was, I was, I was in Ireland. From outside, when they came here, realized, wow, this is a really nice place. Yeah. We need a slice of this, you know. And I think that's kind of what happened, really, that, that they realized that they could actually do lots of things. And also that I think it being a small country, you see this now a little bit with Australia at the moment, kind of the Petri dish idea, you know, that, that uh, let's try out this experiment in a place where it's, which is uh, insular, which is self-contained, yeah. which is a to be small population and see how it flies, see what are the dynamics of actually pushing it. Yeah. And then we'll be able to translate that into larger places and, and impose it. Once we've achieved it in these smaller places, particularly a place like Ireland, which in a former, and I keep saying former, but it, it's true, former Catholic country, it's a really big thing if you announce suddenly that you have abortion in Ireland. And yeah. in fact, I, I think that my own theory is that that, uh, that happened in uh, May 2018. And in, I think, the end of June or was it July, uh, the, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, um, brought in a, a decision in, sorry, the, this is in relation, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm mistaken. I'm talking about the gay marriage thing. Uh, uh, there was a connection between that. Within months in the gay marriage thing, the U.S. Supreme Court had actually uh, 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 basically ordered that uh, gay marriage be, be a federal uh, right in America, and and uh, that that I think our our Ireland's uh, capitulation to that I think was a significant factor in in that decision because. You know, there is that sense, well, you know, if little old Catholic Ireland is able to do it, why can't America, you know? Right. And I think that that kind of thing uh, is is important. And that's the way these guys think. Yeah, it's a symbolic victory, right? And then if you can get the first domino to fall, then it's just a matter of, you know, getting the other ones to, to follow. It, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of this experiment in Sweden. We've seen it in... Uh, Iceland, uh, in Ireland, and I say Australia. Australia is just crazy now. With definitely with the with the lockdowns and the protests we're seeing, that that's absolutely crazy. But so, um, let's talk a bit about the COVID situation then in Ireland and and how you see this. When, when did you? Um, oh, you do. I just wanted to comment on that and just say something about that. What those pictures are showing there yeah, right yeah. now. I mean, that's you know the the, the uh, uh, outcome of the game marriage thing. You had a similar thing at the at the afterwards. This triumphalism. Yeah, I mean, even after the abortion referendum, the most extraordinary scenes I think in in recent Irish history were, you know, in that same place in the in the courtyard of Dublin Castle, where you have like thousands of young people cheering and toasting, in effect, the slaughter of innocents. Yeah, like, it's incredible. That, 
that, that, that's kind of what we've come to. That, that, I think that was possibly our lowest point in recent times up to the COVID episode, which we're about to go into now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy when you, and of course it's framed to, would you say that it, it, has it been a, um, just a little bit more before we go into the COVID thing, it, was it a, a thing in, in schools, uh, um, indoctrinating the younger generation, so when they are by voting age a few generations later, they are basically liberals and they've converted the country in that sense, or, or how, how, who is the majority that voted for this, would you say? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, the majority is a majority. Well, it's not quite in the majority of the entire population when you factor in the people who didn't vote. But yeah. it's a significant yeah. minority who have voted for this. And, and you can't really make any statement about the people who don't vote because they don't vote. But yeah. uh, I, I think that it, it was, yeah, the education system was infiltrated for decades, for sure, by, the, by feminism in the first instance. And I mean, we we had various battles in in that context with you know, the 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 the, the, the uh, refurbishing, shall we say, of the uh, English language syllabus, you know, the literary syllabus and so on, you know, with Charles Dickens and his ilk being kicked out, and you know, radical feminist, uh, 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 you know, uh, writers from the Caribbean uh, were being replacing him and so on, and and I. I single-handedly opposed that stuff and got into a lot of hot water over it. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was lots of stuff like that. And But, of course, the, me the media, as in America, um, the media w were really gradually and at first and then very rapidly uh, transformed ideologically by a process in Ireland of, uh, you see, when I started uh, as a journalist in the 1980s and, you know, I, I moved into the mainstream, I basically got in on my ability to write, uh, which you wouldn't do now, uh, or my just my interest in the subject that I want to write about, which is rock and roll. You wouldn't be able to do that probably now so much. You certainly wouldn't get into the mainstream on, that, on those terms. You would have to go to a, a, a college system and get a degree in journalism. And when you do that, you go to a place which is where the lecturers are all Marxists. Yeah, exactly. And you come out basically a, a culture of Marxist. Yeah. Uh, I know lots of people, young people who that's who have done that. I won't say that it's happened to them. It has happened to them, but they don't know that. Uh, uh, they've done that, and they're absolutely insane. And and they just think that that journalism is now uh, uh, the business of propaganda of teaching the people how to behave correctly in a modern society that's that's what they think journalism is yeah uh, they can't write they can't think most of them uh, but that doesn't matter in fact that suits the people who who, who are operating this whole thing uh, and in fact that has been hugely advantageous to people to them in the in the COVID scam uh, so I think it was th those factors more than others which caused this but I mean essentially now you have Radio and television unlistenable, unwatchable. Uh, newspapers unreadable by any sane, sentient person. Yeah, uh, and uh, they don't even—they're not economically viable, but they're being supported now by these interests who want to promote the ideology. And they, basically, they're there gatekeeping to prevent anybody else moving into the to the space and doing it proper, doing the job properly. Oh, they're like they're 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 bullies. They're hall monitors. They're snitches. They're you know. And again, this this is truly what we've seen manifesting ourselves, uh, manifesting under the 
during this time of the of the COVID, uh, you know, debacle, whatever you want to call it, but the pandemic, um, that you know they're they're policing people that they, they have become essentially just uh, stenographers for uh, the the state agenda in some cases, in some cases the corporate agenda. There's no investigative journalism anymore. There's no truly digging reporters that are finding out. There there are a handful. I'm not going to say there's zero, but you know, very few compared to what it you know used to be. It's not it's not about holding the the power accountable anymore like it used to be. Now it's to uphold the power. Now it's to smack down opposition and and and, and keep the lid on dissenters and things. It's it's incredible to yeah. me. Well, that's right. That last part is exactly right. But I mean, I'm not. I mean, in Ireland, certainly, I wouldn't. I would. I would disagree with one thing. I I, I do think it's 100 percent uh, rogue now. The the Irish media. I, I, uh, yeah. There, are, there are, I couldn't name you one journalist who is <laughs> what the name now. Right. Uh, operating in the mainstream. Um, but uh, I think that the the yeah the, the 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 their functions seem to be in their own minds that they have to police um, the 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 landscape in order to keep anybody from saying anything that is not in compliance with their agendas. And and then so they invent all these ludicrous names for people who have different views, and 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 those you know the, you know so you know if you are far right or you're a white supremacist why well because you you, you were questioning uh, the logic of swamping your people in your country in in outsiders yep or or you also you question the logic of imposing a, a, an untested experimental pseudo vaccine. On people, including children, and those two. Now, I don't know what those two things, for example, have in common, but they both make you far right. It seems. Now, this is the kind of absurdity and nonsense that these people speak. But the strange thing is that it actually, you know, by repetition, has an effect. And and so you're having an ordinary conversation with somebody maybe who doesn't know you or whatever, and you know, say, and, and and you say something that kind of tends in that direction. Maybe you praise Donald Trump in some way, or you, no, no, let's not say, let's not praise Donald Trump. Let's not attack Donald Trump. Let's let's be non-committal just in when his name comes up. That's enough to have you people say to you, well, that's a kind of a far right position, isn't it? You know, it's it's a bit far right, isn't it? You know, and I'm talking with ordinary people who just repeat these these kind of catchwords, which they're given by the media. The entire process, you see, we I don't think we really uh, we've often talked bandied around these concepts like you know groupthink or propaganda or hypnosis, mass hypnosis, you know, mass indoctrination, brainwashing, all these phrases. But I don't think we really culturally, anyway. I know obviously there are people within the culture who do grasp these things very well, but in general, in terms of the, the, the apprehension of the culture itself of these concepts, I think you would have to say it was very, very low. And and that therefore we're only seeing now, it's only now when we see these things in action and we are like kind of trying, we're struggling to catch up, to describe what's happening, to make any kind of sense of it with words, because it's so crazy, you know, that actually you have a deranged population, it seems. Uh, repeating the same mantras uh, without evidence, things they saw on TV. They never look around them in their, in their uh, you know, they look around in the pub when somebody brings up a controversial issue, but they never actually look around them in real life, in everyday life, and ask, well, how many people do I know who died from this virus, for example? Or, you know, uh, do I even know somebody who knows somebody who's died? Uh, you know, uh, the, you know, it, it's it's... 
it's quite extraordinary. I think this has been, in a certain sense, uh, Enrique, uh, the most terrifying thing of this. Obviously, the, the whole thing is terrifying in lots of ways, I think, yeah. in, in, in ways we can get into. But yeah. possibly the most terrifying thing, if there is to be a long-term future for the world and for the human race, then the most terrifying thing, in other words, if we're going to get over this, it remains the most terrifying thing after, afterwards, that we have learned what they can do to the vast majority of people yeah and how malleable and, and docile they are and how obedient they are and how they will actually carry out the most ridiculous routines absurd routines uh, and uh, i'm actually working on a kind of a, a, an article at the moment which i'm exploring the idea that actually that what they've tapped into here is you know, because we've actually talked about obviously hypnosis and all that kind of stuff, and, and there's very strong weaponizing of the kind of the religious impulse as well and the ritualistic impulse in oh, yeah. man and so on. Yeah. But actually, one of the things I've stumbled on recently is something that actually goes underneath even all that, and that's what uh, you know the the play instinct. And there's a wonderful book written by a Dutch man called uh, uh, Johan, uh, uh, I think, Huizinga, and uh, in back in 1938. And he talked about how fundamental the, the, the play instinct is to humanity and to civilization. And when you read it, you realize that actually it's not impossible that actually somebody read this book and thought, if we could actually weaponize this instinct, we could get people to do crazy things. Yeah. Within, the space, yeah. within the time and space of the game, yeah. which they wouldn't do otherwise, and which make no sense outside it, but they won't notice. Because the rules are the rules are the rules. You know, if you're playing a game, you don't get into a philosophical argument with your, your play, the other players about whether the particular rule is good, bad, or indifferent. You say, well, what is the rule? Okay, so it's yeah, I, you can play two cards now and 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 three later. Okay, I won't play three now. Why shouldn't I play three? No, no, I won't. I won't. I won't argue about that. And that's what they're doing essentially with COVID. People just say, well, what's the rule? Oh, you can only uh, uh, wear your mask when you are sitting down at your dinner table, as soon as you stand up, you have to wear the mask. Okay, all right, okay, that's fine. And and, and so on, you know, uh, or you can only have a, 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 you can only go into a pub and, and have a drink if you buy a meal that costs no less than nine euros. That, was, that, say, okay, was that an actual so thing? Was that an actual nine, thing? Could I could I just say eight nine? No, no, it has to be nine. Okay, okay, got that. That's fine. That's fine. You know, like this is the absurdity that we've been, and that that is a, a game logic. It's a play logic, and it's very. So I'm exploring that. I'm trying to think it through and apply Huizinga's uh, uh, thesis to the COVID thing, and it's a very interesting exercise. Uh, so I hope to write that around my site in the next few days. You know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's so. This it's a very bizarre kind of thing. I don't think. I actually think that you know we. I've read a lot of stuff. I've listened to lots of books. Lots of brilliant people out there talking about this and writing about it. But I, I don't think any of us have actually got to the heart of it. It's such a shocking episode, and it's so uh, unprecedented, and so unpredictable, and so terrifying in its implications. And in the imagination, the specters of the kind of evildoers that you have to summon up in order to even just try to comprehend what's going on. That actually, I think we're on the point. I, 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 I think I, I saw a, a video online there by a psychologist called Richard Grannon there about it. He's, a, he's a, an English guy. 
about a, a month ago, and he, he, he was talking about the whole concept of depression in the context of uh, COVID. And he said that actually now he believed that the world population was on the point of going into shock. Yeah. In, in terms of furthering on from the depression, that the depression had become so, so bedded down that the next stage is, is kind of psychic shock. And I think that's exactly right. And I, I, I'm beginning to see that effect, not just in the world, but in a certain sense in myself, because there's nowhere else to go in exploring it. We seem to have run out of words and we seem to have run out of concepts by which to kind of go deeper in, to in the hope that we might comprehend something. But I think maybe the block there is, and certainly it is for me, and I, I, I'm aware of this very strongly, Henry, uh, that I don't actually imaginatively have the capacity to, to grasp true evil. I really don't. Uh, and I think that's a big block because that that, I'm always holding back when people talk about culling or, you know, uh, you know, depopulation. I say, well, in theory, yeah, 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 I can get all that. I hear what people say. I see all the facts. I see. But yeah, but really, I, 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 I'm holding back inside myself. I mean, I could actually tell you about, you know, what Bill Gates has said and what, geez, who's, what his connections are and Boris Johnson's father and all this stuff, you know. Uh, but there's a part of my brain that will never believe that until it actually comes knocking on my door. You know what I mean? Because yeah. no, we I lived through this beautiful period of peace and 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 uh, you know tranquility and 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 beautiful ideas. You know, everybody had beautiful ideas. You know, or the people I moved among. You know, the the rock musicians and the journalists. They're involved, and like it was just axiomatic that you were opposed to stuff like this if it happens in a far foreign flung country obviously but i mean i was down in in the west of ireland at the weekend and i i, I was in a town that i've been in many times a town called clifton and uh there's an art the oldest art festival in ireland goes from there it's probably it's something like 44 45 years old now and uh it's the longest running it's i don't think it's ever missed a year and I've, I used to, when I wasn't cancelled and when I was uh, still a respectable journalist, I used to get invited there, get a, a writer. I used to do plays and I got it speaking there lots of times. And, and But I, I looked at the programme when I was in the vicinity and, and, you know, all these artists, all of whom I know, musicians and novelists and, and so on, they're people I know. And, and at the bottom of their, 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 their posters, it says, you know, only people who have been fully vaccinated and have a, a vaccination certificate will be admitted. You yeah, know, and yeah. like, I just, so was it all for nothing? All this talk was for nothing. All the things we supposed to, we, we presumed that they believed in, it was all nonsense. Mm, yeah. It was all fake. And, and, and I mean, this is, I can't believe, and I mean, I've had that with all kinds of, in all kinds of contexts, you know, I mean, I've heard, and I, I won't mention her name, but I found out in the, the last few days that uh, somebody I knew very well about 10 years ago in a particular context uh, is now the Minister for Justice in a particular European country signing into law fascistic diktats on a, basically on a daily basis. She was a gentle, kind-hearted, Catholic woman. I don't comprehend it. I, I, it, it I, I flounder before it, you know, I, I, I just don't have any equipment to grasp it. And I think that's because I don't understand evil. 
But but obviously they're doing this because they're saving they're, they're saving humanity. They're, they're helping people. We're we're make, we're stopping a, a, a disease, right? It, it's still, as they say, the 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 road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Isn't that what we're looking at here? I think there are some. Don't get me wrong. There are some people at the very top. I think there are people that know. I think some people have looked at the actual data. They see that the vaccine is causing variants. They're seeing that more people are getting jabbed and they're getting sick. It doesn't protect them. They're covering up. For the most part, a lot of the adverse effects, people are getting killed and this kind of stuff. But the managerial class underneath the very top elite, they're doing this because they're helping and saving everybody, right? Uh, I, I think that's worn a bit thin a long time since. I mean, I think to begin with, you would actually have to say now, you have to change that saying that the, the, about the, the, the road to hell. You would have to have to say something like, uh, the road to good intentions is paved with hell. <laughs> Because right. that's how we're discovering. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, look at Australia right now. Yeah. Like, does anybody tell me seriously that those police officers who are kicking people half to death on the street are, are, are actually doing it because they want to protect the health of the public? No. You know what I mean? Like, it's long gone. That fiction is only shared now at the lower levels of intelligence. And I mean, and I mean what I would say among the public to an extent and among journalists to a lesser extent. Uh, most of them now know that this is a complete scam. Uh, they cannot but know it. And look, briefly what happened here in my, in my estimation, I, I, I don't any longer believe, I did briefly uh, uh, believe in the idea of the virus. I don't any longer believe there is a virus um, as such. Uh, I believe that uh, there is a vaccine and that the vaccine is in a certain sense the virus. That was the intention from the very beginning. Yeah. The vaccine is the bioweapon. That's the instrument that came out of Wuhan and Canada and the United States. Those three countries were in partnership to formulate, to develop this, this instrument. Uh, now, the vaccine was, or the virus was constructed post hoc. Uh, and uh, there's a, a, a very interesting guy called David E. Martin, who has talked about this, investigated this, and he's discovered that the, the, the genome of the, the, the virus is a, con is a combination of the, 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 uh, uh, those of, of uh, the uh, um, much older viruses, uh, going back 20, 20 years and more. Yeah. Um, very brilliant guy, very interesting. And so uh, I think that therefore, what's actually, but what's happening now, and it's very interesting, I think, there was no virus in the beginning. This is interesting. But what they did was that by a succession of instruments, they managed to dispose prematurely of a great, huge number of elderly people. Now, if people find that hard to believe, and I, I would have in the beginning, but now that I've looked at it, I do believe that it is true. And I think the ethic there, if you want to call it that, the, 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 the anti-ethic, you know, is related to the idea that, well, you know, you know, in order to kind of expedite, if somebody's in pain or distress and they're on coming close to death, it's not. There's nothing wrong with giving them a morphine shot to hurry them on their way. And you know, it's it's in the best. It's the best for them in the long run. That's. I think that idea is now expanding, whereby whereas once it was a matter of hours, then it became days, then weeks, and now it can be a matter of months or even a couple of years. And I think that that ethic, anti-ethic, very much was applied during March, April into May of uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. 
there's a wonderful scientist, uh, a, a Canadian guy called Denis Rancourt, who's done a brilliant analysis of all this. And he identifies stress as being the primary factor in people's deaths at that point. But I would add uh, two or three more. I think that in, in inappropriate intubation of elderly people yep. is only one. Loneliness, which would be related to stress, is another. But I think midazolam and other uh, other sedatives were used with abundant uh, 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 with abundance. Uh, certainly, we saw this in the United Kingdom, where the consumption of those drugs shot up in April 2020 by something like 135 uh, percent. So essentially, they got their statistics, they got their death toll uh, in that way, and that got them through 2020. Because remember, John, remember all the hospitals that people go into the hospitals too, right? That's worth mentioning. Like we had nurses doing dance videos on on TikTok, right? And and choreographed dance videos. We saw them coming out, and and where are all the patients, right? And again, maybe there were some hospitals somewhere, and they were you know dealing with something. I, you know, I I can't rule all of that up, but many of the videos that we saw at that time in 2020 was like. They're trying to claim that there's bodies piling up everywhere and people went to these hospitals and they were empty. I saw footage of this yeah. in Ireland. I saw it in the UK. I saw it in the US, all over the place. My, myself and some, my, my, some colleagues of mine uh, went into hospitals and photographed, videoed, and they were absolutely empty. You know, and they were being told by the government that they were absolutely jammed. And yeah. They could, you know. uh, uh, it's interesting. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there are different kind of theories. I mean, uh, uh, Denis Rancourt believes, and, I, and a lot of people have said this, and I think this is kind of right, that what they've done is, because there was no virus, what they've done is they've weaponized a lot of existing viruses. Uh, now, we all know there are viruses going around the place all the time. I mean, I've had viruses. I mean, I had a very bad one about two years ago. And if I'd had it a year later, it made me deaf and it, 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 it kind of paralyzed half my face and so on. So I would have been some kind of hero if it happened to me in 2020. I'd be the guy that got, you know, went deaf from the COVID. Uh, and, and half the country would be going around wearing earmuffs, you know. Uh, like, that's kind of... In, like sickness is like they, they're trying to tell us that sickness no shouldn't exist exactly that death being abolished you know and i mean of course death is terrible in, in in a certain sense and can be it's extraordinarily sad in lots of circumstances in most circumstances but it just happened and i've got really bad news for these guys it's going to happen to us all you know <laughs> so like but the, the the so what they've done is they weaponized all of these other conditions now i think what's happening is very sinister indeed and you have to say that this cannot be random it cannot be accidental that because of the lockdown policies which have separated people and prevented them interacting in the ways that they would naturalistically do which is essential to the kind of development and and, and strengthening of the human immune system you know that you mix with other people, you shake hands with them, you get germs, you, you get slight, you know, uh, sneezy stuff or sniffly stuff, or maybe you once in a while you get an outbreak of a real flu or something like that. But by getting that, you strengthen your immune system, right? And that's the way we are. We get sick in order to stay well. That's the paradox of our humanity, or one of the many of paradoxes of our humanity. So now what they've done by doing, they've actually depleted the immune systems of the world because they've kept us separate uh, two, two meters apart for a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, none of that is happening. Now, I've had a personal experience in the last month because I got a kind of a, I call it a flu, uh, about a month ago, which wasn't as a flu very severe. I mean, there was a cough, there was sinus stuff, there was, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, pains and aches, all like headache and that, you know. Most of that went within three to, three to four days. But I was left with a kind of a hangover that went on for another three weeks of really kind of pains, tired, like I'd been beaten up, like I'd been kicked by a bunch of nightclub bouncers, you know. Uh, that was the feeling I had, and I, I, I couldn't shift it. Now, I think that that's actually what those guys, the, the scientists and doctors who were warning us about the effects of lockdown were talking about, that two things happen when you create those kind of conditions. One is, as I said, that the weakening of the immune system, but the other is the strengthening of the bugs. So you create super bugs of what were previously ordinary bugs. So when people get them, they have a much more profound effect than they would have had two years ago. And I think that 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 combined then with the vaccine, which is another module of this, yeah, is to make this a very bleak winter indeed for an awful lot of people. The vaccines, uh, uh, I, 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 you know, they're, they're killing a lot of people, and the, the corrupt media are refusing to report it. That's that's a given. I mean, I, I, everywhere I go now, I mean, this is the interesting thing, Enrique. I mean. I didn't know anybody who died from COVID. I don't know anybody. Nobody that I knew directly died from COVID. I've heard about people dying from COVID. I don't know that I believe it because, uh, you know, for the reasons I've said. But, you know, I said at the very beginning, within weeks, it's occurred to me, you know, that, well, look, what would a pandemic look like on your street? Well, there'd be a woman dying in a room on the third floor of the building across the street. Right, yeah. There'd be an ambulance coming up one way. There'd be a hearse coming down the other way. There'd be people being stretchered out. There might be a person collapsed on the roadway. Yeah. That's a pandemic, right? Exactly. There's nothing like that. But here's the interesting thing, that now I'm beginning to actually run into situations where people are dying in inexplicable circumstances, mm -hmm. yep. in numbers that are previous, that do not correspond to the, to the rates of, a, you know, natural sudden death, what do we say? Like I grew up in a, in a town of 2,000 people, and that's a really good... Uh, laboratory setting to to know about death because mm -hmm. you know everybody of those two thousand people, right? And and every week in particular winter time there are maybe two three funerals, maybe one in in summertime, in in, in a week, and so you get to have an in in, in a sense of you know, the rhythm of death as it were in such a community, and you know you know that in February January February a good number of older people die every year. You know that over the period of a year, two or three in that number of a, town, of a population, two, three, four people maybe will die very suddenly, inexplicably, and shock everybody, even young people, uh, for, for reasons to do with heart, you know, odd illnesses, whatever, uh, and so on. So, like, we now in a situation where it's now happening in a way that is registering with me through, you know, friends of mine, their relations. Or, you know, I was in a, a hotel last weekend and a man just dropped dead getting out of his car. There are stories of, of, of uh, you know, car accidents, mysterious car accidents where cars are suddenly running off the road uh, because the owner has had a, a, a driver has had a heart attack. Uh, multiple pileups, multiple car pileups arising from the same factor. Mm -hmm. But the media here in Ireland, and I think elsewhere, are completely uh, turning the other way from all this. 
you know, now we know that in the last time, I think it was in 76, there was this, the, the, the first uh, swine flu epidemic. There was a vaccine uh, launched. And when it reached, I think, 43 deaths, the American government cancelled it. They said, no, no, no more. Right, exactly. Yep. Now, we're up at the last count that I saw on September the 11th, something close to 25,000 deaths in the European Union alone. I think it's well above that. It's heading for 100,000 in the United Probably. States. Probably, yeah, yep. And... Um, and, and still the media just ignore it. And in fact, what they're actually trying to do is insinuate that these are actually unvaccinated people yep. dying. Fact, exactly. I don't know about you, but apparently there's a law, I don't know if this is only in Ireland, uh, but there's a rule that uh, if you have the vaccine and you die within 14 days, then you're treated as if you haven't had the vaccine. That's right. They they keep moving the goalposts. This is what they're doing. Look at so Israel, for example. Now it's booster shots, right? So soon enough, it'll be if you haven't gotten the third shot, you won't be considered fully vaccinated. So statistically, you will be unvaccinated. Maybe you just got the one shot, right? Or yeah. maybe within the 14 days of getting the, the the second shot. But all of this is still predicated on nurses and doctors and so forth reporting these kinds of things apparently i'm not sure if you saw some of the project veritas stuff uh coming out yesterday i think it was right where you see some of these hospitals now are basically they're they're covering up at least the side effects they're saying that you know one boy experienced myocarditis for example the heart inflammation of the heart muscle and stuff like that and they won't really they won't talk about this that they're, they're sweeping it under the rug which is not a big surprise to me but uh, the world is finding out you know uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I find it, I, I, I am surprised by it, really. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, quite shocked by it because it seemed to me that, uh, you know, in regards of ideology, journalism still reports the facts, that there was a place in journalism for reporting the facts. Whatever you made of them, aside from that, in commentary or analysis, uh, you reported them anyway uh, and let the pieces fall where they may. You know, that was the ethic. And I, I'm quite shocked that that's gone because it seems to me that that, that means that the, the media uh, should entirely just stop, fold up its uh, paraphernalia and leave. Right, yeah. And let others come in and do the job that they're refusing to do because essentially they're, they're, they're on strike. Yeah. They're not functioning as journalists anymore. They're, they're actually functioning as anti-journalists. And, and uh, I think that that's, uh, this is disastrous. We've seen it under all kinds of headings in the last few years, of course, uh, Trump and, and Biden and whatnot. But uh, this is life and death. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, it's quite shocking to me, uh, regardless of how cynical I am of journalism, uh, and I am very cynical. Uh, but I, I, each day I hear of new, some new outrage and I, I'm flabbergasted once again. Yeah, I was showing a map here of the... Um mutations of the virus. Let me see if I can find that again. I, I had it up here. But it, it is interesting that we have seen uh, a, a the things that you would expect to see in 2020, if that story was true, are, are things that we're now be beginning to see in 2021, right? And here's a, here's a genomic sequencing map uh, on the uh, left-hand side here in this image that shows you just how many variants was. And it was actually a uh, a doctor, I forget her name, Rose, I think something, Jack, Ro Jacqueline Rose or something, um, who was part of the FDA, uh, or was it the CDC hearing on booster shots? And she actually managed to present some of this. And she she said that the uh, she believed that the primary driver of these new variants uh, is the vaccine. And and another thing that, that happens here is that you're creating 
uh, kind of an artificial uh, evolutionary pressure on this virus, whatever it is, whatever this virus, what you know, we can debate what you know how we define this or whatever. But but so, something is out there. Maybe something is causing this, right? Yeah. If you look at the stuff that David Martin, for example, talks about, I mean, he found patent stuff going back almost ten years, I believe, where where, where companies have patented certain things that they've kind of spliced together. I mean, that, and that even came out in the FOIA request of uh, 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 that uh, the Intercept did, right? Dr. Fauci denied and was sitting and lying in front of Congress saying, no, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't work on gain of function. And then it comes out, well, these were, they, they said that they're working on chimeric viruses, right? So yeah. it, it, it is something. And it was almost that it was, I, I don't know how sinister or how planned all of this was, but but just looking at it for now, at least, it almost feels like, they released something, or maybe it was accidental. We, I can't, you know, prove that yet. But it was released. Right? We, we got out there, regardless of what it was, and then the the plan of this was to get a, a, an evolutionary driver to to make the virus worse and worse and worse. It, was, it wasn't at all that bad in the beginning, right? It was driven again, as I said at the start of this interview, by a faulty. Uh, or, or a you know an RT-PCR test which was way too sensitive, it was running on way too many cycle thresholds, which causes you know a, a can of paint tested positive, a mango tested positive, a, a goat tested like all these things that yeah. that uh, you know I think it was uh, Tanzania or something that did some of these experiments on some of them. Look and, what happened to that guy. Look what uh, that exactly guy. right, he was taken out right. So <laughs> exactly. Um, so now it seems to be that maybe that was the plan from the beginning. I don't know, but regardless, it. it, it it is the vac the va that's why I think you're correct when you say well, the vaccine yeah. is the virus, John. That's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it, you see the story of the Wuhan lab um, leak is interesting. And we, if you just briefly touch on it, I mean, it was Trump who first started talking about that. What he was really talking about in the context, well, it's a Chinese virus, you know, and that was his main. That was the extent of his of his claim, really. Uh, and at that point, there was no reason to dispute that from our particular point of view. But when the story resurfaced this year, it resurfaced in the mainstream media. And that's got to be suspicious. You know, it was the newspapers like the New York Times who were suddenly reporting this possibility. Now, it's very interesting that there's no reason, like Fauci, despite the fact that that story points a finger at Fauci, he's still there. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't trust that story at all. I, I think that actually Martin, David Martin is correct. I, putting the pieces together in the, the most coherent way, I mm -hmm. think, leads to the conclusion that, that Martin is correct, that there was no actual novel virus, but that there was a novel vaccine. And the novel vaccine was, as it were, the whole point of the exercise. Now, I, I have been watching this for a long time for, you know, the duration and and for well over for coming up in a year now i've been hearing these what at first seemed to be highly alarmist voices um warning about the consequences of this vaccine this pseudo vaccine uh, i'm talking about people like geert van den bosch uh mike eden uh sutra bhakti and these guys and now the, the, again it's it's a part of me that that refuses in a certain sense to to follow my head I can't believe, I can't accept, it terrifies me. In no sense whatever would I want what these guys have warned about, would I want it to happen. I don't want vindication. I certainly don't want that kind of vindication. But unfortunately, so far, the evidence is leaning in their direction. 
Yeah, you it know, is. You know, because it would only take a gradual acceleration of the death rate over the coming winter to bring about something very close to what they have described, which is catastrophic, yeah. which is beyond, beyond imagination. Yeah. I won't go through it. It's too, it's too terrifying and horrific. And, and I don't care who the people are that, that might suffer those. I, I, I don't care what their ideology is. I don't care what their belief system is. I do not want that to happen to people. But my God, it, it, I don't know if it can be stopped. That's what the evidence is telling me, that it can't be stopped now. And, and, and that's an awful situation for the world to be in. And so it's not a question of us deciding how we're going to cope, you know, with the tyrannies of the government for the next uh, six months or, uh, you know, the, the, the attitude to the unvaccinated or all this. This is all going to be irrelevant in the face of this absolute carnage that appears to be imminent. Yeah. All right. From what these very sensible, very solid, very consistent voices have been saying for nearly a year. Yeah. And then you have, you know, the issue of and it, and it's kind of part of the same, uh, you know, family of problems, if you will, of, of, of so-called leaky vaccines. You have the uh, auto auto. Um, uh, what, I always forget the, what it stands for. ADE, right? Uh, auto antibody dependent enhancement. That's what it stands for, right? Where basically yeah. uh, your, your immune system gets, you know, compromised. Even Fauci talked about this. I remember I, I, I played the clip many times early in the pandemic. He said, you don't want to, you know, the worst case scenario, scenario uh, Fauci said, is to vaccinate against something. And it actually turns out that it makes the illness much worse and things like this. Right. And and this seems to be where this is going, that you have, th- th- you, there's so many different issues. Right. You have the myocarditis issue. You have the blood clot issue. You have the uh, ADE, the um, autobody dependent enhancement issue. You have uh, what else do we have, John? What 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 other things are compounding here? Deficiency issue, you know uh, that 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 we have basically collapsed the immune systems of the entire planet. Yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's that's shocking uh, at every level. Now, what's even more shocking is the possibility that it's all a plan, and that's where people like Mike Eden are absolutely tear unequivocal. Yeah. they believe it is a plan. Yeah, and he was. Um, he was ex, uh, was it AstraZeneca or was it Pfizer, Eden? Yes, Pfizer. He was Pfizer. A, yes, a, a deputy director of Pfizer. And much of this is, again, and to emphasize that point that you've, you've said many times, but this is in cahoots with the media. The, the, the entire establishment are, are, are covering this up. They're denying it, right? I, I showed something just yesterday with some fact-checking thing. I guess I could pull it up here in a moment, but it was like, there's no, uh, here it is right here. There's no evidence... Uh, no evidence of COVID-19 vaccines causing death. This is a PolitiFact Pointer Institute. And I believe it was the Pointer Institute. I could be wrong on this, but many of the fact checkers, it's come out, uh, they are uh, they get funding from Johnson & Johnson. Uh, I think there's other big pharma companies involved in this too, by the way. Oh. But uh, that's how crazy this is. It, they're just flat out denying it, John. It, no, well, nothing happens this, here. Well, in Ireland, it's quite staggering because what they're actually doing is instead of, of, of covering the stories when somebody dies and there's a question on Mark over this death, a young person, you know, we've had this several times in the last few weeks, very young person, suddenly. Um, um, instead of actually pursuing the story, right or wrong, you know, true or untrue, whatever, find out and then say, okay, either all clear or, yeah, we got a question still here or whatever. 
they immediately go to attack what they call the anti-vaxxers. Yep. Uh, now, the anti-vaxxers don't exist, by and large, in that sense, because in this particular case, there's a particular attitude, you know, there's a particular situation. Many people who are not in any way opposed to vaccination in principle, and in fact, I, I don't know if there, there's anybody who's absolutely opposed, there probably are, but not that many. But to, to, this is a particular thing with particular reasons, particular factors, which are, you know, set out seriatim by by all of us in the argument and this is ignored yeah and we're simply anti-vaxxers and these guys call themselves journalists then they seek to demonize this this is of course a primary uh, symptom of the groupthink phenomenon and i wrote a series of articles about this not long ago uh, but this initially groupthink you know was identified in meetings and in, in decision makers uh, but it noticed certain patterns. And one of the patterns was that the group, once it decides that on a decision, on a course of action, however erroneous or wrongheaded, defends this to the death and immediately starts to find a, an outgroup which it can oppose. And that's what's going on here. You, it's actually classic. You know, it, they're actually carrying out the script uh, to the letter. Uh, that they're actually seeking to demonize and scapegoat people so as to distract from the actual issue and put out this idea that the only possible reason for raising issues, questions about the vaccines is because you're far right or you're anti-vax or you're a white supremacist or some such gibberish. And these people still call themselves journalists. Like, it's staggering. It's utterly unbelievable. Look, look at this one. Here's a here's the, one of the preeminent. I tweeted this out the other day, and I said, and, and there it is, finally. I don't know if you know what Godwin's Law is, right, or Goodwin's Law. It's this uh, invocation of of Hitler. Who who's the you know who's most like Hitler, or whatever. But this is from the the Jacobin magazine here. Uh, they said, <laughs> do you know who else opposed vaccine mandates? Hitler. <laughs> you know, it's always it's always like the peak thing. It's always like if you if you just can smear the other side enough that they're the Nazis here in the in the equation, then maybe they will fold to you and maybe they will, you know, uh, submit essentially because that's what it is. Right. It's a it's a shaming campaign to get people to to obey, essentially. Well, you see, I think that under the influence of mass hypnosis and all that, it does work. This is the staggering thing about it. Like people do because people just repeat mantras, you know? Yeah. And they actually say, well, that would be a kind of a very far right kind of position. Or, you know, uh, uh, or you, one of the great questions is like when you say something to people, where are you, where are you, where are you finding that, where are you digging that out of? You know, when you start to tell people a fact. Yeah, what's the you, source for that? Yeah. Who said that? Where, yeah. <laughs> now they're questioning sources all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, where, are we, where are you getting that, you know? And that's kind of like, where are you coming from, you know? Like, this is, this is a completely distorted uh, and... and um, fundamentally uh, dysfunctional manner of discourse. Yeah. Uh, but it's very worrying. And, and, you know, I mean, look, we, we talk about the future as if it was granted and given. But, you know, if there is a future, if there is a future, we're going to have to sort all this stuff out from the very, very basic root of everything. You said something really good, and I forget it. It was someone pulling it out, I think, from an interview set, and you said, if we get through this, if, if, if we... If we end up coming out of this thing on the other end, still alive, still, you know, some semblance of even civilization at the end of this, because who yeah. knows how bad this is going to get, right? Um, yeah. Every single institution will have to be dismantled, and, and, and everything that we relied on that took us here are, is going to need to be leveled uh, by the ground, essentially, 
Right. I firmly believe that, uh, uh, Henrik. I, I think that starting with the, the, the democratic structures, I mean, they don't work. They don't. They just don't work. I mean, the American system doesn't work. The Irish system doesn't work. So we need to actually raise it to the ground and build again. Yeah. Uh, uh, media similarly. I mean, I think symbolically, like the media are such are so complicit in all this that you know they need to be treated at the end of, when this comes to some kind of culmination, something like you know serial killers or something like that. I mean, in the sense that uh, that their their houses, their dwelling places need to be demolished, you know, and that they no longer are allowed to function as as journalists in any way. That and anybody who has worked in the media in this period should be barred for life from ever you know, masquerading again as a journalist, uh, to say the least of it. Um, and, and that same goes to, to in the judiciaries uh, who have uh, supported all of this in, in, upon the bench. It goes to police forces. I mean, I don't know what, I mean, I'm not a fan of, you know, uh, uh, what's the policy they call there, the, the Antifa people have, you know. They, they, defunding they, the police. Decommissioning, defunding the police. Yeah. I don't I think that's an answer, but because I mean, there's a mix. I think American, you know, there's a mix of polices, and, and but in Ireland, our police force is completely unfit for purpose. Uh, there's no way that anybody, any serious sentient person, can respect any member of that force again, in my opinion. No. Uh, uh, you know, and and you know, under all kinds of headings, you know, the medicals. I mean, it, 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 I'm, I would be terrified now if I, I thought I had to go into a hospital. You know, They're killing you uh, in the hospitals. The, the protocol they have there, I'm showing some footage. This is from Australia. You mentioned this earlier. They were stomping the head of a, I think it was, uh, what it was like, he had mental issues or some on top of it yeah. or something too. Um, but they, they put you on a, a ventilator. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how the situation in Ireland, maybe you know more about that or in other European countries, but in America there was a financial incentive by the hospitals to put you on a ventilator as some hospitals got as much, what was it, as much as $15,000 per patient or something? Yeah, well, I mean, they, they, they situate, there's this, what they call the COVID protocol. And if you go on that, uh, on the ventilator, you eventually have, I think, something like a 50-50 chance of coming out. Yeah. Whereas in other general, you would have a 70-odd percent chance of coming out okay. Now, you know, the alternative to that, if, if people are in that situation, uh, my understanding is the thing to do is ask for the, the normal pneumonia protocol in which you will be given a mixture of, of medical uh, drug treatment or whatever, uh, as in, and then where necessary intubation. Uh, but the, what we've discovered about or what we have seen for the last year and a half, uh, you know, if you remember uh, in the summer, early summer of last year, when Donald Trump was giving those uh, uh, press conferences from the White House every night, the obsession with ventilators. I mean, it was yeah, like, you know, I know. we've got 10,000, we've got, you know, that turned out to be a disaster because yeah. many people were killed by the ventilators. That's right. And and that's that's a real problem because particularly older people, are they, they, the shock of actually being ventilated in that way can be very profound for them. And and so uh, that's, that's, again, you see, there are so many of these uh, mechanisms which can be ambiguous and which can, you know, uh, allow for plausible deniability in the event of something going wrong. But I, speaking for myself, like I, I would be absolutely anxious to stay away from all doctors and hospitals. Absolutely, yeah, uh, absolutely. For, for the time being, at least. But again, I mean, we're going to have to, I mean, you're going to have to have a thorough, you know, post-mortem, shall we say, on all this uh, from a medical point of view. And uh, with the question on, uh, bit high on the blackboard, you know, how do we now, how do we store our hospitals 
and our medical professions to 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 the trust of the public. Yeah. How how can we allow? How can we manage to to persuade the public? Now I don't mean to con the public into trusting them. How can they may be made trustworthy again? Because they're not now. They're not. And, and nobody would, in their right mind, would voluntarily go into a hospital unless they knew exactly the person they were dealing with and who they were going, who what was going, to, if they'd had previous dealings with that person. Uh, even then, be careful. But th- so there, that's that's where we stand. All of those institutions in every country, it seems to me. Yeah. Because the principle is this, uh, Enrique. I mean, and particularly with politicians. Politicians talk about, well, you know, you hear this, sir. you actually hear them saying that, well, you know, we'll be able to give our, some freedoms back to uh, vaccinated people, or, well, we're thinking of having a Freedom Day on the 22nd of October, uh, when people will get a fair modicum of their freedoms back. They're not freedoms. Clearly, they're not freedoms if somebody in a shiny suit can give them to you. How would they be freedoms? So the, the, the problem here is that, that if we allow this to pass, and then nothing is done to mark the meaning of it. And we just go on and say, okay, we're going back to normal now. We're getting freedom back. Okay, that's fine. But if you're walking down the street and think, well, yeah, those guys give me our freedom back, but they can take it away tomorrow. We've got to create a situation where it can never happen again. Yeah. And that involves creating impediments, literal impediments. Like, like go in and we look at what they did legally and ensure that we have fail-safe uh, mechanisms, that they cannot get close to these uh, mechanisms again, these weapons again. And I think, unfortunately, I have to say this, not out of vengeance or vindictiveness, but these guys all have to go to jail. Oh, at the very least. Yeah. At the ver- This is crimes, uh, what do you call war crimes, crimes against humanity? I don't know what, to, what, what, what it was the... What's the technical term here to use? Is we're we're kind of in new territory here in, in a way, as far as I know, and the way that they've rolled this out on a global scale, and uh, uh, it, it, we need we need to find out wh- how much these people knew and how much they're part of of, of either covering things up uh, or or a part of understanding what the, why this is being done and things like that. I mean, we, we're far away from this. Look, we we might we might as we've said before. We might not even come out the other end of this being being you know having anything that resembles a civilization anymore. We we just don't know. It's too early to tell, John. I think I think I mean okay. Just this is a pure kind of you know anecdotal kind of uh, impressionistic thing of my own. But the way I kind of start this question of did they know? The way I kind of look at that is um, well okay well what would be the normative demeanor? of a political establishment in the face of a genuine threatened pandemic. Yeah. You know, remembering that a pandemic of that kind might be expected to make people very ill, to kill people. I would have thought the the watchword to begin with would be compassion, sympathy, caring. Let's put in place caring mechanisms which will protect people. They didn't do any of that. They were talking immediately from the word go about the fact that they would be changing laws to ensure that they had the means to arrest people who refused to be quarantined. Yeah. Like in our, that was the first voice we heard, the head of the police force. Yeah. Saying before anybody had died, or, or sorry, before anybody had allegedly died. So this, te- this is a real clue. And when you actually look at their demeanor, you see, this is something you get so used to it, you don't actually pay attention, uh, you know, I find. And you have to kind of draw yourself back and say, look, what's that guy saying now? And ask yourself, is the tone of that uh, 
commensurate with the gravity that he claims is here. And generally speaking, you find it's nothing like that. Like that, you know, for example, I was, again, when I was down at this arts festival at the weekend, I looked going around, I realized, I found that one of the leading propagandists of the entire thing here in Ireland, a scientist, uh, you know, let's say, uh, has had, is on the road with his own COVID-19 roadshow. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and it's called Keep Calm and Trust the Science. <laughs> and it's all a great laugh, right? Here is a killer disease. Hey, I know. Now, does he really believe it's a killer disease if he's carrying on like that? He should be in his white coat trying to find a cure for this thing. But he's not. He's out uh, basking in the applause of the gullible Irish public. Yeah. So that, that tells me he doesn't believe it. It tells me that I, and the same test applied to pretty much all of the political class here tells me that very few of them, I mean, a few of them, I think, do believe it. I mean, there are particular stupid people in Irish politics, for sure. I wouldn't doubt it. But most of them, no. They can't possibly believe it at this stage. See, this is like, ask yourself this, like, how, how can this be about public health? Right, I know. It's not. <laughs> it's it's never been about that. It's This has been about control. This has yeah. been about subjugation. This has been about uh, transforming society in in the image of a few select uh, elites at the at the very top. That's the, that's the only conclusion I can draw from this. It's about dispossessing and enslaving the human population of the world. Yep. And they're doing it by claiming that no, what we're doing is to keep you safe. This is to save you from the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a. I mean, it's smart, obviously, and. Um, uh, it's ingenious, but it's dastardly. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's utterly ingenious, though. Uh, all of the way the things fit together. And each time I go into it from a different perspective, I'm astonished by the coherence of it. And the way that even across a range of different, entirely different cultures, it functions within each one in a very effective way. Yeah. Uh, it's quite ingenious. It really is. But it's, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, pure evil also. And, and uh, I, 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 you know, I mean, we, I cannot rule out the possibilities that they're going away, going to get away with it. You know what I mean? I, 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 I know. They're, yeah. they're so cunning. But they will get away with it, but their overall plan will not work. In the long term, you know, you can't have a top-down plan for the world that will, you know, run efficiently uh, 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 in the manner of, you know, I don't know what 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 system of totalitarianism even remotely worked, even on a much smaller scale. Yeah. So for an entire globe, there's no chance uh, that that will last any more than a couple of years, and it will be they, they'll the the the, pop, the people will burn their their houses to the ground for sure. Uh, but in the interim, will be a pretty rough time, a pretty rough ride, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you, of course, you have the financial aspect of this too. I, th I think we're, we're we're also in a new, uh, and, and we've had some elites talking about this. That we're in new territory in terms of what they have at their disposal when it comes to technology, right? They have a, as you've talked about during this interview too, that they have a deep knowledge of of human psychology. They know how to manipulate your emotions, your sense of uh, you know relig your your religious uh, uh, drives or cult drives, whatever you want to call it in, in a sense, right? But then you have this new added layer 
of technology and population control and population management. I mean, the television, the advent of the television me- and mass media in and of itself is is a form of, of course, of a mind control, if you will, technology. It's, it's to coerce and control large segments of the population. Uh, but then there's even more novel uh, technologies that they have uh, at their disposal. Uh, and we'll see if some of that gets gets employed or not. But but they have many of them, from from Berzinski to um, uh, you, you know there are some names up there. The people that have been talking about this, Zbigniew Berzinski. There's there's a few others. I'm, I'm forgetting some of the names now. But they've talked about. I guess even uh, I, I guess Klaus Schwab, right at the very forefront of the World Economic Forum and the COVID nineteen Great Reset. He wrote the book on this and stuff like that. He talks about this from the point of view of a, of a fourth industrial revolution. That this is a yeah. the greatest opportunity for them to remake everything. Right. I, even this issue now that we have with the supply chains, which which can also will be a compounding issue on top of let's say people getting sick, people then not showing up to work, then you have congestion in the supply chain, meaning food won't be coming to the stores. I mean, this is a this is a disaster, a, a, a world-ending type disaster that potentially we're looking at here. But then they're going to jump on that opportunity and say, see, we, we are, we're going to never let this happen ever again. We're going to have a, uh, a chip, if you will, or an RFID device uh, on, on every single product, in, even in every single human. We're going to have an omnipotent system of, of artificial intelligence that's going to keep an eye on everything, right? This is some of the stuff that he's been talking about, of reshaping even the, the fundamentals of the human being. And, and, and to add one more thing to this, us, us going into this territory of genetically... Uh, or at least using genetic technology to produce an outcome inside of the human body. I'm talking about the mRNA technology that they're uh, injecting into people now. That is kind of crossing the Rubicon, in a sense, into a, a, a transhumanist territory. John, what, what do you think about this? No, I do. I, I, I do think that that's uh, all part of the agenda. And I'm, I'm very interested. That's, that's been the subject, more or less, of my, my the article I've been working on, on your country, uh, men, ABBA. And, and their forthcoming concerts in in London as avatars of themselves. I think that, that to me is, seems to me to be a part of this whole uh, move shift of, of the imagination of the world towards the transhumanist uh, project. Uh, and there is also the other dimension of this is that um, the financial system, the idea that that we're being told repeatedly now by pretty authoritative people that they're essentially going to dismantle the existing money system and replace it with a digital currency, which yep. will operate in conjunction with social credit systems and whatnot, and uh, universal basic income, and so basically you will have a basic, uh, a, you know, 99.99 recurring slave class, and then a very tiny elite who will be, you know, basically have all the, the rights and all the privileges and all the, the wealth. And, and I think that's actually a, a very plausible scenario in theory. But, but where I actually think that we, uh, where the good news is, is that the, 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 you know, the systems are, uh, that run the world are so chaotic that it's not possible to run the world without that level of chaos. I mean, the market system is essentially a chaotic system. Economists can only write in, understand it or comprehend it in the most rudimentary way. And I, I don't think these people have the necessary kind of skills or knowledge or experience or understanding of the human structure to uh, implement what they seem to want to implement. And I think that uh, for that reason, it will become an utter disaster. I don't mean a disaster in the in the sense that we fear might fear it will become, but a disaster in quite a good way. That essentially these people are going to have to run for the hills, and that the world will be restored gradually over a period. It could take years, but that we will get the world back, maybe in our lifetimes. 
uh, as it was or pretty much approximating to what it was. I have a hope of that because of the redeeming quality of these people, their arrogance and their stupidity combined. That is, they're, they're redemptive qualities. They're certainly the redemptive qualities of that individual there. Uh, that he, he has one not set of knowledge, he has one line of knowledge and nothing else. He doesn't understand humanity. He doesn't understand how the human person feels and thinks, how, how, what, what there is a relationship between rationalism and the human person. You know, all of these things are major questions. These guys have never intruded upon them. And so I, I'm fairly optimistic that, that in the long run, this is going to come unstuck. Of course, it will cause no end of grief. But in a certain sense, given that this has happened, Henrik, uh, I think that grief will be necessary in the sense that it, we need to impress upon the future leaders of the world that this can never be allowed to happen again in any sense, whatever. And that all of the things that were done here can never be done again. There can be no lockdowns, there can be no imposition on human freedoms, there can be no restrictions, there can be no uh, policing of people's health, there can be no mandates of vaccines or other uh, face masks or anything like that. All of that has to, it has to be regarded as, you know, in the manner of, of gas chambers. Uh, you know, that's the level that we need to see this at. And uh, the people who have done it need to be treated in pretty much the same way as those, the perpetrators of that outrage were, in my opinion. Whether that goes the full distance, I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying that. But I certainly think that they need to be taken off the streets for a very, very long time. For the purpose of conveying to anybody in a shiny suit who's thinking of going the same route in the medium to long term future, that that would be a very unwise thing to be doing. Uh, I think that's essential. But the problem I have today is that there is no authority to whom I can go seeking to ask them to intervene because they're all corrupted by that's it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's part of the same system. There isn't any. And that goes back to that point you mentioned that it needs to be uh, leveled. And and it really then is up to people to rise to the occasion. Here is, here is a challenge like something we've never had before. And, and I'm not saying, you know, go out and do dumb things. I, I'm saying maybe... Look, maybe the solution here is to just create a parallel society because it looks like those who are refusing to obey are being squeezed out anyway. We're becoming secondhand citizens uh, in our countries. There's, um, uh, you, you know, you, if you don't obey and do these medical experiments that we ask of you, you can't no longer take part. I mean, there was, you know, no jab, no bank, no jab, no food. Like France, we saw some of these uh, things are barring people from going into the grocery store and getting and, and getting food even. Uh, in Australia, it's a very interesting dynamic that with the construction workers, massive protests there. I just saw some of the footage. There was much more happening last night, or it, the footage was coming out my time last night, uh, of them just taking over bridges and stuff, and there was riot police. And, I mean, they were... They were at some point they had the police on retreat and then the the storm troopers arrived and they they pushed back the construction workers but it, it occurred to me when i was looking at that john like what if those people all those guys all those men they're working and propping up the system and ensuring that you know new buildings can go up they repair things and that what if they just pulled out what if they what if what if they just walked away i'm not and i'm not saying we shouldn't protest absolutely we should do that 100 what we're seeing out there with people showing up protesting, uh, fighting back, pushing back, showing up and, and, and making, you know, making them up there in the ivory tires know that there's people out there, they're not going to take this lying down. But at the end of the day, at the, at the end of it, 
we shouldn't go crawling to these people to get our lives back and to get our freedoms back. Do you know what I'm saying? And it kind of connects with your idea there of like these institutions need to be leveled. And, and maybe we don't even need to level them. Maybe we just need to leave them. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying, John? Yeah. And build somewhere else. Exactly. Incidentally, uh, uh, Henrik, I'm just looking at those uh, uh, two uh, uh, news items you have on yeah, your screen yeah. there right mm -hmm. now, New York Post, and uh, both about dementia. Yeah. Scientists warn that COVID will accelerate dementia pandemic. Number of people with dementia expect to rise 40% within a decade. I, who says now? The who says? Now, it's interesting. I mean, I always, when I see things in the mainstream media, I become immediately suspicious particularly when they come from organizations like The Who. Um, I don't want to go into any specifics, but I'm aware of a particular one case in recent times where a person who was diagnosed with dementia and was put on a, some form of tablet, and immediately they began to acquire dementia. Hmm. Yeah. Immediately their whole system went to, uh, into, into uh, collapse because of a deficiency of salt arising from the use of this tablet. Now, when the people around this person had the wisdom to say the tablet is the factor. Without consultation with the doctors, this person was taken off the tablet and the recovery was very slow. It took many weeks, but it is now very much in train. So I would say to people, beware of the Greeks bearing gifts. Yeah, Be exactly. Beware of who giving you advice about dementia because they are going to cause an epidemic of dementia. That is their next plan. Yeah, and that's so. That's another thing I forgot to mention earlier. There seems to be suggestions right now that prion disease is one of the outcomes of the vaccine. Right? It actually is a is a form of, of a protein. I, I forget the technical uh, how this was meant to work on the back end, but there's something about the vaccine over time kind of crystallizes and it causes uh, the prions. To again, I'm, I, I forget exactly what this. If, if the prions grows, or if they take over cells, or if it's like a cancerous. Thing. I, I'm not sure how it works, but that's one of the thing I've heard. And of course, that would lead to uh, uh, dementia and other things, schizophrenia, other kinds of things, where basically your brain becomes like a Swiss cheese. It actually develops uh, holes in the brain tissue uh, as a consequence of this vaccine. Yes, and of course, by the way, you know, a lot of these symptoms are not actually symptoms of COVID at all even just for a moment, engaging, indulging the fiction of COVID. They're actually symptoms of, of the, the lockdown. Oh, the lockdown, okay. The hmm. That's what, like, they're all coming from the secondary stages. I mean, the lockdown has had enormous effects on people's health, mm -hmm. uh, delayed treatment and, and scans and so on, and, and through depression and, and uh, despair and all, every, all kinds of things. And that sense, as I say, of psychic shock that I think is is actually affecting many many people in the world now. Uh, that that uh, you know we all of us feel. I mean, I the way I've, I've been able to articulate it, which I think is quite graphic, but it does do it for me. I don't know. It's that it's almost like if I feel this is a metaphor, obviously, but it's like that I feel that they have found some device that can turn up gravity, and they've been turning it up. So now that I feel that the weight on me every moment is about three to four times what it was and that I feel it on my shoulders and, and my back during the day, that I'm carrying the world around or I'm carrying the sky around on my shoulders. Uh, that's kind of the physical symptoms of what I'm describing. And I think that was related when I, fe I felt that became exacerbated when I had that flu recently. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that people need to be very conscious of looking after their health. I mean, and, and at that banal level, I would say to people that I, I've been taking vitamin D uh, I think that I'm told that when you take vitamin D, you should take it with vitamin K. 
which helps it to be incorporated into the system. That's very important. But I think above all, zinc, it seems to me, is the most essential element. Uh, I didn't. I stopped taking it for a while because it was very sh there was shortages here. But I would urge people to try and find as much zinc as they can find to get them through the winter and take, you know, regular every day one or whatever it is. Uh, two if you don't feel so good, and if you feel something coming on, nuke it with zinc. Yeah, yeah. That's my advice. Absolutely. I I think. Um yeah, so we had something like that too, me and, uh, and my wife, and uh, I I think I was exposed to, I, mean, I, I don't know, right? So we, we, we don't know, is, is it a genuine variant of this thing uh, as a product of the vaccine, or were we exposed to someone that's actually just shedding the spiked protein? Because that's, you know, another thing here as well, that you're, you have basically vaccine factories walking around out there, those that have been vaccinated, and their viral load is something... That did nasal swabs and, and, and whatnot of, of those that have been vaccinated. And they, I think they had something like 250 times the viral load as people who had had COVID and then, you know, supposedly developed natural immunity and things like this. Right. So I, I don't know. There's a number of things I, I, here going on. I would go along with you there. I, I, I mean, obviously, I can't establish this in any kind of definitive way. But my strongest suspicion that that was the factor, that something like that, I don't know what the thing was, uh, but uh, I think that it actually may have been something to do with shedding from vaccinated people, because I did have some contact with some people uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the days before this came on. And yeah, I, I think, and I, so that, that tells us, and I mean, there are doctors who are saying now that the vaccinated need to be quarantined. Yeah, exactly. We shouldn't be mixing that. You know, we should actually far from them interrogating the unvaccinated as to whether they're vaccinated or not. The unvaccinated need to be asking everybody else, well, are you vaccinated? Because if you are, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to meet you for coffee. Yeah, you're this you're the spreader now. Look, look at these headlines here real quick, uh, John here. Scientists are working on vaccines that spread like a disease. What could possibly go wrong? A vaccine that could spread like a virus. Here's another one. Vaccines of the future could be as contagious as viruses. And then finally, we now have the technology to develop vaccines that spread themselves. And, I, and one I didn't have time to bring in here today, headline, but it said that they're working on turning uh, lettuce and various forms of uh, salad uh, like the, the into into a vaccine. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that headline. But new technologies like this. I even saw proposals to have a kind of a uh, that you breathe in the vaccine. You just spray it in the yeah. air, essentially, and you breathe it in, and you get the same effect. Uh, so that's completely involuntary. You, you, exactly you, right. You, you may not even know you've had it. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where they're moving to this because they're actually trying to bludgeon down all of the walls that protected human rights in this way and bodily integrity and so on. Yeah. And basically operate this kind of bullying principle of the, the, the public interest or, you know, the common good, uh, that, that this supersedes all personal rights now. And that, that's been one of the most fundamental changes that nobody's really talked about or seemed to notice very much in the last year and a half. That, you know, people now talk blithely about, you know, well, you know, you know human rights, uh, individual rights don't really have any currency when there's a pandemic. Uh, okay, but is there a pandemic? Um, no answer. Yeah, no, certainly not a natural one. Uh, wh whatever, whatever we're looking at here, whatever this is yet, and we're still, you know, having discussions about this. Uh, but whatever it is, it's been, um, I'd say, ninety-five percent completely 
uh, engineered and it could have, you know, if we had the right people in power, it would have been preventable and would have been unstoppable. What, what, even, what, what even about the early stages, right? In the early days, I'm thinking back to late December 2019, early January 2020, right? We, we started getting some of this uh, rumors out of China. We saw some, everybody saw the scaremongering videos with people just falling over. The kind of scenes which we didn't see <laughs> around us when we, supposedly this arrived in our lands, right? Uh, but in China, we saw various footage. They were capturing people in nets. They were welding mm. people shut into their buildings and all that stuff, right? And there was some investigative reporting from Revolver News where they basically went through a number of these videos and they found that most of them were from other type of scenarios. M much of this was engineered in that sense, right? But they scared the, the, the living crap out of everyone around the world that was witnessing this because we didn't know what, what is this thing. But one of the early proposals, um, you know, so-called far right and, and, and ba ba the baddies had was well, close the borders down. Don't don't let people fly out of China. And and I remember the pushback from the liberals at the time. It was no, that's that's um, uh, that's, racist. that's racists. Yeah, exactly. You can't. No, no, you can't do that. In fact, they encouraged people to go to go out and hug a Chinese person. There were campaigns, I, you know, I, to these kinds of things. I, right. I'll tell you a really funnier one. You know, in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, Ireland back in March 2020, there was a, a rugby match, football match, uh, scheduled for I think it was the 8th of March, and. The match was cancelled about a week before by the government. But all of the flights, which had been booked full of Italians, which was actually the, the, we call the epicenter of the European uh, uh, contagion at that point, That's we right. were told. Yeah. Uh, all those flights landed in Dublin and all the Italians got off and they walked around Dublin for the weekend. <sighs> and nobody thought this was strange. And when we raised it in court, we were told that, you know, this was unacceptable, inappropriate and so on. Wow, I haven't heard that one, but I'm not surprised, right? Uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, it's like they wanted this thing to to spread. That's the uh, that's the bottom line. Here. They they wanted this to well, again, and I'm totally with you on that. Like, we, we might not even be a, a virus we're looking at at all, and it's very hard. I haven't figured well, all of that out exactly, yet. But yeah, you know. I, I I mean, I I go into that kind of double talk and double think all the time because we don't know definitively. No, no, not yet. We're still trying to put the jigsaw together, and and some parts don't seem to fit at all with others. Uh, so you know, I, I I agree. You know, I mean, there may well be something. Certainly, there is now. Is the point? For exactly. Sure there's something now. Yeah. Or many things, maybe many mutations, uh, uh, viruses now out there, which are actually quite dangerous. And I would say to people, you really got to build up your immune system in the next uh, few couple of months. Well, it depends on the part of the world you're in, but I mean, certainly here where we are in Europe, the winter will be, you know, come in November, uh, we need to have our immune systems in far better order than they are now. And for that reason, I would say, you know, the, the vitamin D3, C, uh, uh, Magnesium and zinc, absolutely. Yep, and, large and, doses of C, uh, D3, uh, I, you know, ivermectin, frankly, if you can get it to. There's yeah. a lot of good things out there that actually does seem to work. There's protocols. We'll probably share some of those soon on on, uh, on one of our shows. Uh, we've we've been talking with some uh, doctors who have their head screwed on right, and there, there, there are different protocols out there, like Math Plus was one of them. There's uh, one that the uh, FLCC, the frontline doctors, they, 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 they have been developing. They have it on their website and stuff like that. But it, it, point taken, because I see a lot of the, the the crowd that, you know, were questioning this from from day one and they were right to do so, or, or, or you know, maybe not from day one, but, you know, spring or, or, or summer 2020, they started like, hey, something's wrong, I missed with this. They looked at the number, they looked at how 
the cases were, were hyped up. The deaths that we did see was was from uh, other types of diseases. It was tr- attributed to COVID, but the people died of other things, etc. But but don't that don't put your guard down now because as we go into autumn and winter. Now you do have something real out there, and I think that's a good takeaway, John, from this too. That like, watch out because this time it's real. Go, go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. That actually, all bets are off now. Yeah. And we 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 adhere to the analysis that we said for 2020. 2021 is an entirely different deal. Yeah. There, yeah. we don't know what's out there now. We don't know what effects it's going to have. We don't know what state we're in in order to receive it or deal with it. We really have to protect ourselves and each other in that sense. And that includes, you know, protecting ourselves primarily, I would say, from people who have been stupid enough to take this appalling so-called vaccine. Yeah. Because they are walking time bombs. That's absolutely right. Uh, John, we're going to let you go in a bit here. Uh, let us know, is there anything else uh, that you feel is important to, uh, to talk about or highlight to our audience? Or maybe if there's something you want to uh, promote or plug or something like that? Uh, nothing, nothing in particular. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, um, I don't, I don't think uh, there's much at the moment uh, that that occurs to me. Um, uh, I you know, just to emphasize that that um, we're on the cusp now. I think of the real, the beginning of the actual pandemic. Yeah, and and I believe that that actually has been engineered precisely in this way. These people are not stupid. Everything else in the jigsaw. Those other parts, you, you you can see that the way they've planned it, that, is, that it is uh, worked out to the nth degree. There's no reason to expect or to believe that this part, these parts of it are not planned either and that they have a malign intention for this coming winter. I have two chats here. We can do those real quick. From Archie, he says, maintain immunity to Wu flu, meaning the coronavirus, uh, by frequent exposure. And, and again, I'd say, so I don't know, what do you know about this, that... Uh, I guess the as as always the, the science is not settled here, but I I've seen some articles and some studies on this that apparently if you have had this thing whatever it is, unless the barring that they're releasing something completely new or or some variant is so genetically different that your body no longer kind of recognizes. Barring that, I've heard that if you've had a milder version even of 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 this disease uh, initially or or again maybe the, again the vaccine whatever whatever it is right you've had it in your body. And your body managed to push it out, whatever it was, that yeah. you have immunity against it, right? And 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 then you would be safe. But if you haven't had it before, you should tr- maybe try to take as the potentiality of the variants getting worse and worse as they vaccinate more and more of the population and bring out a third and fourth shot. Maybe sh- should we avoid, as you said, avoid then that that as uh, those people all together, or is it yeah. can we? Ex- can we get exposed and your body works up immunity and it gets, as it gets gradually stronger? Or what's, what's well, your take here? Obviously, uh, Henry, I'm not a doctor in any sense. I'm only right. going on what I, I hear from trustworthy, from people that I trust. And from what I've picked up from them, uh, this is not something you can risk, take a, take a, uh, a punt at getting. And, and, you know, you just don't know. Yeah. We don't know what's coming off these people now. We don't know what, because you see, their their bodies are essentially manufacturing spike proteins, and 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 they're highly contagious, and and we don't know how virulent they are. You know, we 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 just don't know, and so uh, I can tell you what I had uh, for whatever reason was pretty crucifying in the sense that the aftermath of it nearly, you know, I I, I it just remained static for weeks, and uh, without any massive dramatic symptoms. So I would say to people. 
stay, stay, keep to yourself as much as possible for the next few months. Uh, you know, for people out in the countryside, it's a, it's a better place to be. If you live, if you can live in the countryside, you know, yeah, I think it's better. You know, I agree. Stay uh, away from the cities because it's about to get ugly. That's what I think. Yeah, it's going to get ugly as well. I mean, yeah, because I mean, they're, go they're already. You know, I've, I'm told that the media here are cranking it up to try and set the vaccinated against the unvaccinated. Yeah, this exactly. is the new agenda. Yeah, and try to demonize them and turn them into total pariahs. Uh, I don't know how long that la will last. I mean, once the death toll starts to mount, and it's quite clear that the main that the people dying are actually va the vaccinated. I don't know what that going to do. You see, you could get all kinds of irrational responses. I mean, yep. the unvaccinated may turn on the unvaccinated just. Just out of oh, absolutely. Or? That's what that's what they're. I mean, they're. This is plain, uh, plain to see. They're ramping this up in the in the media. It's a, we, you know, Biden's speech there when he mandated uh, businesses that have a hundred employees or more, all of them need to be vaccinated. He said, "Our patience is running thin," or something like that. Right? It, it's implying this that it's like soon enough we'll have you know, uh, you know, response teams, strike teams ready to forcefully vaccinate people because. You're the reason yeah. that everybody's dying. You're like, well, you know, but if this works, if this vaccine works, how, you should be protected then, right? <laughs> well, this is the aspect that, Henrik, that actually um, I find hardest to comprehend. And yet, um, undoubtedly, I have to bear witness to it. I have that actually what we're looking at in these cases and these individuals like Biden, we're seeing pure evil at work. Like we're seeing somebody who is clear, and I know he's in a particular category because he's he's not all there at the moment. Uh, but th th that this seems to be like all restraint seems to have been uh, left behind here. And uh, whether that's because they're actually relying on the the the, the pretext that they're still saving lives. Uh, they're actually getting away with it. I mean, I don't think that's Biden, by the way. I mean, that's obviously Biden's youngest nephew uh, <laughs> or something. Uh, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, but uh, uh, so I, I think that, you know, this is, to me, it's, it's, this is one of the most stressful things, I think, for people, is trying to get their heads around the, the pure evil that they're watching and trying to think, well, what could it be? Well, it's evil. That's what it is that we have to come to terms with that. We're dealing with pure evil and we need to protect ourselves from it in all the kinds of ways that you would. Yeah. And that is, I think, supernatural methods as well. You know, I mean, yeah. we need all kinds of protections. Absolutely. I have one more here and then I'll let you go uh, from Wise Wildfire. Thank you, Wise. I appreciate the super chat here. It says, apologies if, if this was covered, uh, but does someone know uh, if anybody is performing any comparison analysis between IQ, IQ tests uh, or IQ test scores before uh, or for both those infected before and after, as well as those vaccinated before and after. And again, a third set of data for those that have been classified as having both uh, the infection and the vaccine. The, the third category, I don't know, but I heard uh, a while ago, I was reading something where they said that the IQ, I don't know how they measure this, but it was supposedly something in IQ levels in newborns that had dropped something like 20 points as a, as a consequence of, 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 again, then maybe being around um, mothers that have been vaccinated and, and being exposed or something. Have you heard anything about the IQ? I would assume it's related to the dementia uh, issues that they're saying. I don't know really about that, Enrique. Uh, I, I haven't really gone into that issue in any depth. Um, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, strange. Uh, we'll see if we can find some on that wise. But uh, yeah, I've heard. I have heard something that apparently. Uh, I, and again, I would attribute most of this not to the what they say is the virus, but actually because of the vaccinations, uh, the program and such like that. Uh, Johnwaters.substack.com. That's one place where people can follow your writing and your work. And of course, you have uh, you know uh, uh, paid articles there too, so people can support your work that way. What was the other uh, source again? You said your your web uh, blog. No, well, no, this is that. That is uh, this. That's what I call it. It's that's okay. Gotcha. I thought it was a second, uh, a secondary source. So this is your primary uh, place where people need to go to follow you. Yeah, I write. I write. I've written, I write occasionally for first things. Yeah, you, I've got a lot of articles on there somewhere uh, on their site as well. So if people want to look up that, it's there. You'll find my name on it somewhere on the menu. And uh, I've, you know, intermittently still writing the odd piece. I like it. It's a good magazine. Excellent. John, thank you so much for coming on, sir. I appreciate your time today. We appreciate uh, your work, your perspective, and, uh, well, speaking out, uh, considering your past as a, as, a, as a journalist. I know you don't, don't want to be associated with that anymore, which I totally get, but thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. It's my pleasure, uh, Henrik. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, John Waters. Thank you to everyone watching here today. We do appreciate your time. Going to let John go right there, but uh, I wanted to play. I think I'm going to play one clip here before we let you guys go. Uh, thank you to Wise over on Entropy and also to Archie. We do appreciate you joining us over there. Uh, didn't really plug that today, but I appreciate uh, you guys, the support. We're going to be back tomorrow, of course, uh, with more No-Go Zone. Uh, continue to cover the debacle and the unfolding uh, apocalypse, the, the, the coming <laughs> zombie apocalypse, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there are some other developments too, of course, but uh, plenty to cover as usual. Uh, why don't we end with this clip? I did actually play this in uh, the Weekend Warrior show with the uh, Mark Collett, as you can see on screen right there, too, by the way. Definitely check out that show. It was a good one. It was a, turned out to a longer one. Uh, we we uh, talked quite a bit with Mark regarding the situation in the UK, uh, but bigger uh, as well, a bigger you know kind of agenda. S similarly, kind of following on here from what we talked with John about here today. But that was a good um, show. I covered some of the other stories in the beginning. There's a, a eruption in La Palma right now. I heard one is blowing up in... in uh, uh, Alaska as well. There's one in the Philippines recently. A lot of volcanic activity, but one of the, the weird things with the La Palma one uh, is that there is a fissure or like a rift at the top of one of the sides of the mountains that's erupting, uh, which they've said could slide into the ocean, which, which would create a so-called mega tsunami uh, that would hit the east coast uh, about nine hours after this thing fell into the Atlantic Ocean. La Palma is uh, on the northwestern coast of African island, a Spanish island. Uh, and it would also hit the western, western, west coast of uh, of Europe and stuff like that. So we talked about that uh, and some other stories. So check out the latest Weekend Warrior show if you want to uh, check out uh, all our stuff. It's at RedEyesMembers.com. Check out the Weekend Warrior show. We do that exclusively uh, for our members. But uh, let me find this clip here. It was kind of uh, it's it's some of the protests, right? It's it's encouraging to see some of this stuff. Uh, but keep in mind as well that as more people are out there protesting and stuff like that. Uh, if you have vaccinated people among those crowds, and I'm not saying that masks work or anything like that, I'm not going to go that way, but it's supposedly some things like an, an N95 would actually work better or whatever. I mean, a surgical mask won't do anything. It doesn't protect you or whatever. Uh, the vaccinated carry, I mean, massive amounts of viral loads, right? Uh, so you, I don't even know if you can protect yourself in some way. Maybe you just have to stay away from them, as, as John said. Maybe that's the thing. So keep that in mind. We're, we're talking about a very evil elite, and when, this, when they see these freedom protests and stuff like that, don't don't put it past them to literally have somebody, a patient zero, if you will, walking around in the crowd or, 
yeah, I'm going to say it, but even spraying something in this crowd, whatever, whatever means now they have to um, disseminate uh, some kind of new strain or new variant or something like that, or maybe it's a new spike protein or something they're working on. Anything is, is, is possible here, right? But uh, nonetheless, it's good to see this kind of protest from around the world. Uh, it is encouraging. We'll end with this clip, and then we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Take care. by the way i have two vaccinations get the damn vaccine and get let's get the hell over this that's but i did that i put my body on the line to do it i learned a lot about this i worked for the un for a while i worked on this uh, uh, uh document which was the report to the secretary general on sustainable economic development but we think the vaccines are effective and they're available to you and and we can't risk any more damage to the economy and it's quite funny because a lot of the right-wing conspiracy theorists are having a field day with that, man. That I'm some sort of like closet globalist shill because I because I work momentarily for the UN. But there most likely will be more okay, than like. Like, what's your limit? I'm, as many as they recommend. Yeah, because like all these like millionaires were actually investing in Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson. These are like okay. the top fat, fastest growing companies. And they're like literally just getting richer. Like, like these companies don't give a fuck about us. Like honestly, like, like let's be honest. It's all about money and power. No, I'm not. See, look at that. I didn't judge you, and you just see. Ah, uh, the government doesn't care about you.